ASEAN Conversations is brought to you by UOB. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's the Breakfast Huddle. I'm Elliot Danker. UOB. Yep, that's a name that needs no further introduction. And now the bank has set its sights on being number one in cross-border trade needs in ASEAN. UOB is planning to do so by investing about 500 million Sing dollars to build regional platforms for cash management, supply chain management and payments as it aims to be number one in this specific front. On top of that, the bank is targeting $7 billion in top line for its wholesale banking segment by the year 2025. So we want to find out more about UOB's plans to be number one in cross-border trade needs in ASEAN. And helping me out in the studio is Frederick Chin, who is head of Group Wholesale Banking and Markets for UOB. Good morning, Frederick. Thanks for joining me. Good morning, Elliot. Thanks for having me. Great goal to have, number one in cross-border trade needs in ASEAN. I guess we're going to talk about why ASEAN, but before that, why now? Why is this time so crucial? Thanks, Elliot. Let me set the context. Uh, I believe this is the right time for ASEAN to benefit from big three trends. One, deglobalization, rapid digital innovation and adoption, and ESG. This opportunity for ASEAN economies to roll back like in the 70s and the early 80s before Asia financial crisis. Deglobalization started with US-China competitive reasons and tensions. Together, these two economies make up 40% of the world GDP. Estimated by COVID pandemic disrupted supply chain from just-in-time to just-in-case. ASEAN is well positioned to be competitive production base for the West and East, China and North Asia. ASEAN was a factory to the world before the China took over for the past 40 years. And I see EIG further provides the opportunity to build new green capacity supply chain. ASEAN as an economic block with a young and growing middle market income and digital savvy population. Rich with natural resources like nickel is very key ingredient for future cars, EVs. You have nickel, copper and ammonia for future hydrogen renewables energy. However, ASEAN needs to act as an economic bloc. Therefore, more efforts are required for the region government to align economic priorities and policy as a bloc. It is an opportunity for the ASEAN to lose. Mm, that's very well put. I like how you say ASEAN used to be the factory for the world. I mean, Frederick, when, when you look at the situation, US-China, a bit of tensions going on over there. How does ASEAN capitalize? I mean, was it lacking somewhere before that now it could, it could bring to the front? As you recall, you know, China is a growing economy, you mm. know, and uh, when they enter WTO, it provides tremendous domestic opportunities. So, hence, you see a lot of global companies start shifting production to China to take advantage, first, labor costs. Okay. Two, okay. government to build a huge infrastructure to attract those investments. So, people put factory in, you know, to initially with the objective to produce to export okay. and also target the large domestic markets. Okay, over times, right, you know, China clearly has been very successful for the last 40 years. Mm. We were factory to the world, but the costs have gone up. Mm. Currency has strengthened. And recently, with the U.S.-China tension over, you know, competitiveness and trade tension, therefore, you force, you know, the relocation of supply chain. Right. And COVID is obviously also shifting the behavior from just in time to just in case. Yeah, yeah. You know? 
and ASEAN do present that opportunity and it's tested in the yeah. 70s, 80s. Yeah. And why not now? Yeah, a lot of history yeah. to, to, to go back on. I mean, so where does, where does UOB come in? Because you guys have a very good footprint in this part of the world. So how do you take advantage of this potential? Yeah. We clearly have uh, over the years positioned uh, you know, ourselves with, uh, if you took it, we are most complete uh, ASEAN bank with the footprint okay. present in all the countries. And recently, you know, we only banks, uh, you know, Singaporean bank have a subsidiary operation in, in Vietnam. And this is probably the uh, number one beneficiary, what you see with the recent shift in the productions. And secondly, you know, as we look at the opportunities, uh, we see the, you know, the macro connectivities uh, between ASEAN, intra-ASEAN. And that alone, we see the trade, you know, roughly 650 billion US dollars. Mm. And then we also see ASEAN in China, and okay. that trade has been growing in between six to six hundred and fifty billion u s dollars mm. so in the aggregate you're talking about one point three trillion wow. you know within just uh, you know these two uh, regions and then if you look back in the in the early days when ASEAN was a factory to to the west, and that alone to u s is roughly four hundred billion u s uh, dollar as the as the last year's statistic. U.S. buy 300 billion U.S. worth of you know goods from uh, from the ASEAN markets uh, productions, and likewise they export about 100 billion worth of their production to ASEAN. So those are 400 billion. So if ASEAN can play back that role, you know you're talking about 1.7 to 1.8 potentially, definitely over two trillion opportunity for ASEAN to be production based again. When we look at that opportunity, we look at yeah. UOB where we are positioned. Right. So one, we have the footprint. And two, we have invested building, like I said, uh, invested over 500 million mm. to building digital capabilities to capture those economic flows. And these are only the trade numbers. I have not highlighted the foreign direct investments. <laughs> They're estimated to be at least 30 billion annually will come to this region. And lastly, you know, ESG, there's estimated another one trillion opportunity for ASEAN to transition the economy. For sure, we'll get yeah. to, to the ESG one in a while. But I like this, how you talk about the ASEAN, you know, and China relationship, the potential for that to build. I'm curious about some of the sectors that could drive that build. I understand uh, that UOB has identified eight sectors driving about 70% of greater China and ASEAN FDI and trade flows. Tell us more about this. Yeah, we have decided to focus eight sectors uh, where, one, it plays to our core competency. Two, these six sectors uh, do drive around 70% of the uh, macro GDP growth. Okay. And they provide connectivity. And we need to differentiate ourselves when we are small outside Singapore markets, right? We need to stay relevant. We need to complement the local players and not to compete because we can't win. Mm, mm. So hence, those are the seven, eight sectors we have targeted that, you know, we can stay relevant to our client. We can be differentiating our services and yet can be complementing with the local players to serve those clients. A bit of a due diligence question, I guess. I mean, a lot of criticism has been on China's zero COVID policy. Uh, Even rumours swirling around has made the market react. But no, it's still going to be zero COVID. I mean, how does this optimism come about in spite of the fact? If you look at it, it is China has been, uh, you know, zero COVID policy have impacted economic growth. Uh, You know, uh, they grew about 3.89% last quarter. Mm. 
it is uh, very challenging and uh, there's new st- still no visibility as to okay. when they're going to open up. But nonetheless, as I said, I'm still cautiously optimistic that, that eventually they have to start adapting to the new new norm. So when that opens up, I, I think even China will, will continue to grow. Might not be the 9-10% people used to. Okay. Even at 5% at the economy GDP, 12-13 trillion, right? They will give another 500-600 new economic growth. Mm. Okay, and really, yeah, really you see that globally. Yeah, any single country can provide that, a new economic growth yeah. every year. Even America, 2-3% on a higher GDP of $18 trillion, you know, is talking about three, 360, 400 uh, billion uh, GDP growth per annum. Right. So China still presents uh, a great opportunity right. for growth. In fact, China already uh, overtook the, the U.S. Uh, to be the largest trading uh, bloc with ASEAN. And as China uh, continue to grow and con- uh, focus on domestic economy and also, you know, adopting towards uh, net zero path, uh, you will see they continue to require to import a lot of commodities, which will benefit ASEAN. I'm yeah. in the studio this morning with Frederick Chin, who is the head of Group Wholesale Banking and Markets for UOB. Frederick, let's move on to talk about ESG. And, uh, well, all ESG conversations always begin with, what is UOB's timeline when it comes to achieving net zero? Yeah, we just announced last week, um, and it looks like you followed the news earlier. We did set a uh, net zero pathway towards um, by 2050. We did set the interim goals at 2030. And we have targeted six sectors within the energy sectors and the bioenvironment sectors. And why the six sectors? Uh, the chosen six sector is really uh, one, um, you know, the readiness of the sector and mm. data availability to, to help the transition to the net zero paths and also company uh, readiness, uh, you know, and country also focusing on those sectors. And these are the higher impactful uh, or higher emission uh, industry sectors. Yeah. Yeah. So we are targeting those uh, to see how we can help just transition just to make sure the socio-economic benefits are already balanced uh, to all the stakeholders. Yeah, I, I mean, there's been a lot of discussion uh, with that, you know, when you consider how Southeast Asia is so reliant on fossil fuels, collaborating with these companies. I mean, how does the discussion go within the offices of UOB when you talk about the potential for, I don't know, trade-offs in that sense? I think it's quite clear when we engage government and uh, the key uh, global players or regional big players, uh, I, I think uh, the good news is that everybody have agreed that you know this is important. The mm-hmm. climate uh, you know, change uh, is number one priorities. So at least first thing we align with the objectives. Okay. Uh, secondly, uh, they do acknowledge that to transitions uh, all this, they have to make sure it's going to be just and uh, affordable within the the respective countries. So I think they will continue efforts to see how they can transition. Mm. And therefore, you know, we're working with them closely as to, you know, what are the, uh, the line, the timing for the pathways and, uh, and looking at the alternative, uh, you know, transition financing to help them, yeah, you know, yeah. to, to navigate, uh, to make sure, like I said, just transition. Yeah. In that sense, what I'm trying to say is that they have to be sensitive to the social economic, um, you know, affordability of the of the people, livelihood, and some, what, what have you. Yeah. So I think this are at least good news that we see government, private sector are getting more aligned. 
therefore gives us an opportunity to work closely with these companies uh, of course, to, of course. to do the transition. I mean, with banks, you know, essentially playing a big part to these business, it's only right that banks would play a part in guiding us towards that kind of net zero goal that we want to achieve. Uh, I want to move on to talk about supply chain issues. UOB recently launched financial supply chain management capabilities on the UOB Infinity platform. Tell us a bit more about it. Yeah, we have started this first. Infinity is a cash platform, so we standardize uh, you know, our platform uh, in the region. As I earlier said, we are playing on the connectivity. Yeah. We want to connect our clients within and outside their country uh, expansions. <laughs> and this tool is to allow them to better cash manage their, their cycle uh, from collections to for managing their liquidity as well, deployment as well. And, uh, you know, add on to that, we want to be number one trade bank for, for the cross-border in ASEAN. So we have started building a supply chain and the okay. supply chain we build is basically to enable, you know, uh, two things we want to address. Traditionally, customer continue to rely on letter of credits. Right. And it's really about trust. Okay, so we therefore have thought through how to build a systems that can address both the trust and the efficiency of the payment. So, and build a, a platform that allow ecosystems where we can bank the the anchor clients to, uh, to with their supplier and to the with the distributor as well. So that platform we have built, we have piloted in Singapore and Hong Kong okay. and will be gradually rolled out to the rest of subsidiary in ASEAN. Wow, that's quite a yeah. big enhancement there. I suppose that brings us to the final point and, and that's really growth targets moving forward. Pretty standard, right? Um, you're looking at strong growth in China and ASEAN. What are UOB's growth targets? Yeah, so the first thing we look at, as I say, you know, what do we want to be uh, and which space we want to mm. own and do we really have the ability to own those space. Okay. So as I said, you know, when we look at ourselves, we have the footprint, we have built out the uh, product capabilities and we look in the client base that we have and the potential client base that we want to you know, acquire, uh, clearly got those ambitions, uh, you know. And as you know, we are a commercial bank, so we will definitely finance the economic activities, which are driven by two already, yeah. the FDI and the trade flows. So as we look at ourselves, do we have any differentiator uh, in terms of uh, ability to compete and also complement the market where we are just uh, foreign banks uh, vis-a-vis a local incumbent? So hence, we have taken a, a strategy to say, you know, for cross-border trade, we really like to be number one in the ASEAN market uh, for all clients. So my message is marketing to our client. We are ready to serve you. Uh, we want to capture the flows. Uh, we have capabilities been built to be able to enable us to actually serve them and compete effectively with the with the markets uh, where we can uh, play, where local player might not be able to provide that kind of holistic service to them. Exciting times for ASEAN ahead. I've been speaking with Frederick Chin, who is the head of Group Wholesale Banking and Markets for UOB. Frederick, I appreciate your time. Take care and have a good day. Thank you, Alert. Have a good day too. ASEAN Conversations is brought to you by UOB. UOB, one bank for ASEAN.